ora and welcome to Cancer Conversations. I'm your host, Helen King, journalist and cancer survivor, brought to you by Look Good, Feel Better and Dry July. Hello and welcome back to Cancer Conversations, the podcast you never thought you'd need for the diagnosis you never want to hear. In this episode, we're discussing everything you need to know about cancer and exercise. I have found that staying active can be so helpful, not only when I was going through cancer treatment, but also in my recovery. Research has shown that regular exercise can help with fatigue, boost our mood, and help us regain strength. But I know it's also really hard to stay active. It can be confusing, especially when you don't know what you can and can't do. And figuring out what enough exercise actually looks like can be quite challenging. So we're going to be talking about what exercise looks like for someone who is either going through cancer treatment or in recovery. You may hear in this episode me mention that I would like to get active so I can run around after rogue chickens. Now, that is because as I was about to hit record with my guest today, there was a chicken in my backyard. And for context, I live in suburban Auckland and my two dogs thought this was very, very exciting. But it wasn't great timing because I was about to sit down with my guest, Pink and Steel Physio Candice Kit. Let's welcome Candice to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Helen. Before we hit record, I was saying I've had to really hone in on the questions because I always have so many when it comes to how we recover and how we look after ourselves during treatment. So I'm so glad to be able to sit down and share this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be a really good one for people, I think, and a good resource. Absolutely. So I think the the first place to start is to tell us more about what Pink and Steel really offers to people who are either in treatment or recovering from cancer treatment. Pink and Steel is an international charitable trust, and I think the great thing about it is we're with you from diagnosis to anywhere from 10 years post-recovery. So giving you access through every stage of your journey is really important because probably as you know as well, um, sometimes you've got a lot of support when you're in the hospital setting or when you're meeting with your oncology team and then you know, you've know you got the green light to go home and go back to you know living your life and it doesn't feel the same. And you're kind of going, well, now I don't have a meeting coming up and I'm not kind of sure where to go through from here. And I don't feel like myself and I've got crazy fatigue or body pains or lots of stuff still going on and continues to go on for quite a long time. And I think where we want to really come in is bridge that gap between those that kind of more clinical setting and then community. And so Pink and Steel, we offer one-on-one sessions. We offer then kind of more classes to integrate you to more of a community type setting class. So there's lots of things for different stages and for what you're looking for. And so we try to help access funding for you for that in your community as well. So we're kind of here for hopefully every step of the way. Another big thing what we're doing right now is telehealth. So I teach to all of New Zealand. And so I do medical screens. And I think it's just nice, especially if we've got someone who lives more rural 
who can't seek access to services in their community, they always have someone that they can chat to. And we're just a phone call or a Zoom session away. That's awesome. I am feeling really lucky to be involved with Pink and Steel pretty much from a bit after I had my mastectomy. Gosh, it's been five years now. And just as I was starting chemo, I I had some sessions. And I think for me, it was because I'm quite a gung-ho person. So I'm like, right, I must do everything (laughs) I can to help myself. Um, But it was probably a little bit too soon for me. Um, But, you know, after treatment, I have had amazing help from Pink and Steel physios with scar management and, you know, getting back into exercise. So I can, yeah, really attest to just needing that extra support because it is so confusing when all of a sudden your body doesn't work in the way that it did before your cancer diagnosis. And so I would love to know what the main issues your clients face when they have a cancer diagnosis and what, yeah, what you really see as you're treating people. Yes, I think when someone comes to sit in front of us or we have a chat with them, they've just got news that has changed their absolute complete life within a few words. And I think a lot of people want to do everything they can to, you know, survive and to move through this journey and get out the other side and just get back to all the things they love and enjoy. And I think when we sit down with someone, it's kind of breaking down barriers to get them through that journey and support as much as we can. One of the big ones I see a lot in the clinic is fear. And it's not only the fear around the diagnosis, but the fear of doing harm. They've been told, yeah, exercise is so good for you. Do exercise, go do it. And they're going, okay, great, but what should I do? I'm scared that if I do this, is it going to disrupt my chemo or my radiation or, oh no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do the wrong thing and it's going to put everything back or, and I think if to give peace of mind and keep it very clear is exercise has been looked at so much in the research and the evidence is showing us that exercise is this wonder drug by doing nothing is now doing harm. And even little bits of exercise can have a massive impact on cancer reoccurrence, cancer mortality, even all-cause mortality, and that it doesn't have to look maybe what you were used to doing. It doesn't have to be in a gym setting. It doesn't have to be this no pain, no game. So things like walking is fantastic. A bit of functional training. So anything you've got, soup cans, we do a lot of soup cans. (laughs) or little weights. And if we're looking at the research, what it's kind of showing us as your gold standard is 150 minutes per week of moderate mixed mode. So meaning multiple different types of things like cardio or a little bit of resistance-based training, stretching. They're also looking a lot of research, looking into a bit of strength training in the benefits of resistance-based training. But As a golden rule that I want everyone to take home from this is something is better than nothing and that barriers such as fatigue and deconditioning are true, true treatment-related side effects. And it's something that if we don't manage this, it can get worse and it turns into big, big problems with long-term effects and how we can really make a difference is exercise, especially with managing fatigue and deconditioning. There are a couple of things that I was thinking as you were talking, and I think we've discussed this when we first met, 
about what exercise actually looks like. <laughs> because I think so many of us, I know I was guilty of this. I thrashed myself at the gym. I was boxing. You know, it can be really confusing. It can be confusing because you're going through this a huge thing. You've given so much information to go, oh, you know, how this feels like one more thing to add to the list. But I think it's such a good point when you say a little bit is better than nothing. Because I know for me, when I was going through chemo, sometimes it was like, can we just go and sit outside or go and walk to the letterbox? Because sometimes that was all I could manage. Or my partner and I had come over and we would walk around the block, which was about a kilometre. And Sometimes it took a while. Like sometimes we would have to sit down on people's, you know, brick fences and things. But I know for me, even though in my head I was thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe that my body can't handle this. But at the same time, it gave me a little bit of, I don't know, almost control or feeling like I was a bit more empowered in the situation. That is 100%, I think, given it hit the nail on the head with that is that control and empowerment and you know where we're coming from is quite different from maybe other people in your team which are looking at you know killing the cancer and you know getting you survivorship where we're going great while you're doing that why don't you you know go do try to do some things you still love and you have control of that you you will not break you will not do harm if you start to incorporate a bit of that activity back into your day and the kind that you enjoy it doesn't have to be what you don't enjoy because all activity is is so so beneficial when you're going through treatment and but I also tell my clients a lot of the time too especially the ones that are my go-getters <laughs> is you've got to be kind to yourselves there's so much happening in your bodies right now. And that is why you're having these side effects in a little bit actually goes such a long way. And that is how we gradually build. Because if, like I said, if you're doing this boom bust thing where you're then doing tons and tons and tons one day on a better day of your cycle, and then it's knocking you up for a few days after, it's kind of like a bad yo-yo diet. We're not going to get those gradual increments to get you back to feeling stronger and more like yourself and getting that energy under control. Keep it simple and do things that you enjoy, do things that give you positive energy. And this is where we also help in Pink and Steel is we have classes in your community that we can set you up with so that you're it's more supervised and you've got a bit more support as well. So that's another option. I've actually done, I did the, um, gosh, what is it called? The, is it first, Next Steps? Next Steps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was, it was really nice because I did it online, which meant if you got a bit tired, <laughs> you could <laughs> sit down and not feel embarrassed. That's exactly right. <laughs> Just telling on myself. I teach the online class as well, and I say, you know, I can't see you all, so you could be just sitting there drinking a coffee the whole time, but <laughs> um, in and out when you're ready. <laughs> Absolutely. But. It was also good because some of it is step aerobics, and I am oh, yeah. wildly uncoordinated. <laughs> And 
I'm I am not an aerobics, you know, choreographed instructor. So I always say, you know, if that was something that is you, please just bear with me as well, because <laughs> we all have our strengths as well as teachers and instructors. Absolutely, which is so it's a relief, I think, when you're around people who understand what you're going through. Just leaping forward a little bit, because I, I guess I'm yeah, five years out from that, or four or five years out from that experience of of being an active treatment. And I know that, yeah, it's very important to stay active or try and be as active as you can. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. I do want to ask for anyone out there who might be like me a little bit further down the track, or maybe they've just finished treatment. And something that I really struggled with, and it was very confusing to me, was that I would find that exercise made me more tired, especially the day after. And I was really curious to understand, because, you know, the I guess the, the message is, you know, exercise helps fatigue. And then I'd be thinking, what on earth is going on here? Because I am so tired now. Do you do you have any insight into what might be happening in there? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, I think, you know, with a lot of people as well, what we kind of tend to forget is how how long someone has been kind of having changes in their body before they even start treatment. So there could have been a lot of pain prior to even your diagnosis. There could have been change to your lifestyle even before diagnosis and before treatment started. Not everyone. And so people sometimes forget that maybe their deconditioning has gotten a little bit, you know, started a little bit sooner than even before diagnosis. So so when they start getting back into exercise, and this could be years later, that not only does the treatment-related side effects and the treatment itself last, can be years in your body to get rid of chemotherapy drugs and radiation on top of that is going to change tissue structure. Then we throw in nerve damage and, you you know, we have all these compounding things and then fatigue and deconditioning, the two biggest side effects that are detrimental to long-term, you know, kind of where we are that what kind of exercise were you doing? Was, were you comparing it to you before things started to change in your body? Was it doing kind of like you said, a lap around the block? Was it just you had done things previous that week that was probably more than that week that you're in now? We try to unpack that. And like I said, it it is a bit individualized kind of where you are. And I think that's another probably a bit frustration when you're going through it because two people can look very similar on paper. (laughs) And as far as diagnosis, treatment, age, gender, and then you're getting them in a room together and they have very different side effects. They have very different experiences through their treatment and they feel completely different. And one person could be just getting back onto wow. things quite easily and another person could be struggling. And I think that's where we kind of have to, again, be kind, try not to compare ourselves to others because everyone is so individual and really just work from where you are. And if one day is not a good day and it's increasing fatigue, kind of we have to scale back and we have to go, okay, well, what was it that was different that time? Or am I just not picking maybe the right style of exercise for me after cancer treatment? We got to reinvent the wheel and we need to see what else is going on. And that's where we really want to stress. If you're struggling, you don't need to alone. Even if you're five years post, we are here for you to work through this so that we can correct things for you so that you feel like you're 
getting closer to your goals and that you're managing that fatigue 100%. I'm so glad you said that, that you can't compare yourself to other people because I'm terrible at that. And I... (laughs) It's a work in progress for me, not to even now to be like, oh my gosh, why can't I do this thing? I've um, given myself a few injuries uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I I think that's part of the acceptance. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this. I'm very naughty, but um, <laughs> but it's part of that acceptance piece that my body has changed. I went through a hugely traumatizing thing. And actually, when you said what was going on before, I went, oh, yes, that's right. I was in burnout. My body has been through so much in this time. And it really, I think that is one of the challenges as someone who's recovering now to that acceptance of, well, now exercise may have to look a little bit different. I've started doing strength training with a trainer because I, I like that one-on-one stuff because I still feel a little bit self-conscious and in, in things about um, training at a gym. And I'm about to start Pilates because my body actually feels at the moment like it needs mobility and stretching because... I'm not even a menopause anymore, but man, I'm sore and crampy and, <laughs> and things. And I think I'm 42. I want to be, you know, running around after rogue chickens that appear <laughs> in our backyard or that sort of thing. Yes, exactly right. I think sometimes that's another barrier. It's just people holding on to kind of what was happening maybe before diagnosis, but then sometimes you get these beautiful reflections of, actually, I was in burnout. Actually, do I want that life again now that I'm getting back into the workforce and all? And I remember this one client and it was just, just mania. Like I'd listen to what she was up to and I said, oh my gosh, you know, and I get this quite a lot actually. And people actually go, if I didn't get cancer, I wouldn't slow down and I wouldn't have stopped. I would never have had me time. Wow. Like it was almost like wow. they were just running on absolute fumes and it was just what they needed yeah. to actually reset and focus on themselves again because they were so far away from what that even looked like and how they would fit that in that they said almost like it, this is what kind of had to happen for me to reflect and actually have time for myself again. We've done extremely well and gone back to how can I do this better (laughs) when I get back to the workforce or when I get back. And it's so great to see that finding a bit of balance in their life and having time for themselves is really amazing to see. Gosh, you you could be talking about me there. That's so funny. I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so seen. (laughs) 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 And it's, you know, and isn't it so great that you're, we do make changes and we go, okay, like this wasn't working obviously. And yeah, even just looking at different things like Pilates and a different form of exercise for yourself is so good to reflect. What do I need actually versus what I think I should be doing? That is so key. If in, if there's one thing you know, if people should take away from this episode it is that is thinking about what does my body need what is my body telling me it wants to do because it's yeah like our lives are so different now I am I've just gone back to full-time work for the first time and yeah 
five years. And gosh, it's it's full on, you know, I live in Auckland, so there's the commute and all of these things. And I was thinking about it last night, actually, that I was thinking, how on earth did I used to work full time, go to the gym like five times a week and all of these things? And now I'm, I just think, how do I fit things in? And, and that's my struggle at the moment. And I'm sure if I'm struggling with it, other people would be of if someone is going back to work or they're, maybe they're a parent and they're trying to figure out, well, how do I fit an exercise in this life when, you know, things are different and they may not be on all cylinders? What do you recommend in that situation? Oh, I mean, I could talk for days. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, and this is to everyone, you know, it's, it, like I feel like everyone is so busy and I preach it all day long and it's going, you need to practice what you preach, but you really have to make yourself a priority. I still believe you've got to take care of yourself to take care of others. Being a mom myself, and I think I feel better in my body as well when I'm taking care of myself a bit more, it gives me good energy, but you know, just, oh, just even like take the stairs, park a few blocks, you know, park further away, do all that sneaky exercise that I think is so important. If you are looking to get back in to more of a structure-based exercise and you need to be a little bit more flexible, we do, Ping and Steel does have the online next step. So when you went through where you get a recording as well, and so you can play that at any time. And at least, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff out there on YouTube as well. There's tons of stuff that you can access. And it's just finding something that is going to work for you. And at least with online next steps is, you know, it's coming from a, a you know, an oncology physio. So you know that there's times where you can ask questions or contact any of the instructors directly. But I think it's just finding what you love. What do you enjoy doing and trying to do that? Because if you do that, it should not feel horrible to do. If it's that walk out to the beach and just looking at the ocean, or if it's that getting to the park with your kids or whatever it is, just go enjoy them and go run around with them for a little bit. Exercise is activity. And you just kind of have to start bringing it into your life a bit more. I love that. And it's a really good point because it reminded me of someone else had told me that as well. And so what I started to do was on, I have a little whiteboard calendar on the fridge. And so every time I did something, whether it's like 10 minutes, maybe I vacuumed the house or walks during my day, I'd put it on my calendar. And at the end of the week, I'd go, oh, okay, actually I do move a bit. Maybe there could be some yes. improvements. But I think that that mindset shift is so important when you're recovering from a major illness and something that, you know, for many of us really does just change everything. It changes the way our body moves. It changes the way we feel in our body. So I love that idea of actually let's reframe that and think about how much you move in the day you're taking those steps or for me getting the bus and getting off a bus stop early yeah yes and I think we are our own biggest critics I think we're always striving for the next or the bigger or the better or we're comparing or we should be doing this and this person you know and it's just like it is it's the gold star sticker chart put it up there and celebrate it and make it a positive thing I think we all should just reflect. And I think times have really changed. And I think this whole 
boom bust, this yo-yo. It's not working no. because we, we, there's so much burnout already. And I think we have to switch our mindset because actually de-stressing our lives is so much more important than over-exerting and over-stressing our lives. And that right there, if you can de-stress your life and even just sit with some quiet meditation and listen to your favorite song is so beneficial to your well-being. And that will bring you, I think, better energy. I love that so much. Yeah. So I think, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's such a good point, though. And my partner and I, we don't have children. We do have two dogs who have, you probably won't hear it once this is edited, but they... They have featured in this (laughs) podcast, but what we're doing at the moment to just, yeah, slow that down at the end of the day is when we come home, we might have a cup of tea together and then one of us might go upstairs, the other stays downstairs and we have maybe half an hour of quiet time, whether we're just lying down, I might read my Kindle just to slow down and for me because I have that um, sensory processing stuff going on so it's just that time in the day where we can go all right my body just needs to arrive back (laughs) in itself after a day of everything that we do. I think sometimes you know you give yourself that moment and it almost revitalizes you a bit and refreshes it and then you go okay maybe I'm ready for that walk now. Because you've actually given yourself a chance to just, it's not then a negative, it's a a positive thing because you've given yourself a bit of that time and then gone, okay, actually, I'm ready now. Versus come home, got to go for my walk, got to do this, got to, you know, it becomes this really negative narrative and you're still getting your walk in versus something you felt like you had to do and check a box. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I wanted to pick up on something you said earlier and This is something that I've thought about a lot over the past few years, and maybe it was in the information and it went over my head, but you mentioned about the fact that things like chemotherapy, and I would actually imagine some surgeries that people have and radiation, actually really does impact us and can do for a number of years. And I would love to know, what does things like chemo do to our muscles and our ligaments? Because I'm curious because I... I feel like I'm more prone to injury now, which I know will be the deconditioning. I'm very curious about what does it actually do to our insides aside from try and kill nasty cancer cells? Well, I mean, I'm not an oncologist at all, um, and I'm coming from it from more of a rehabilitation side of things. But I think think the, the, the biggie with chemotherapy is how unwell you can feel during it, right? So you're putting this stuff into your body that's doing what it needs to do, but it can cause lots of side effects, right? So you've got your nausea, your change in sensations sometimes, your peripheral neuropathies, you've got changes to your your bowels, you, you know, you have lots of changes, you can get swelling, everything you could possibly imagine and more. And that is just going to have such a knock-on effect, right, to our bodies, for so many organs, so many systems, because, you know, you know, our nervous system as well. And so everything's getting this huge hit, right? And so that is going to change kind of what we do, how we do it. And that's going to essentially then in turn change our us. And I think that's what we're trying to intervene is before is early enough so that say then 
you're just riding out chemo, right? You're just going with the flow and you're just going, okay, I just need to finish chemotherapy. And then you finish chemotherapy, you finish your treatment and they go, perfect, well done, you get to go home. But in that time, you're now going, wow, I don't look the same. I don't feel the same. I, I've lost so much weight. I've lost my muscle. I just don't feel like myself at all. And I now have no idea where to go next because I don't even recognize myself anymore. And we need to get in there sooner so that when you finish your treatment and when everything's you know going well for you and you're getting back home and into the community is you go, okay, what do I want to do next? You get that control back. And I, we want to give that control through the whole thing. And chemo is doing so much in our bodies. And there's so many different types of chemotherapy and radiation is doing so much to our bodies and our tissues. And, uh, and that's why it, it's a graduated return to activity. It has to be graduated because so many systems have been affected. Even your tissue alone after radiation, we only see what we see on the surface. But we know that it's a big targeted area and that tissue underneath has probably changed. Even the fibers of the tissue have changed. And so we need to unpack that. We need to be really gentle and we need to see, okay, well, what's your movement like in your arm now after radiation or even after surgery? And okay, how do we need to change that tension in the tissue so that you are avoiding injury? because there is a lot that is going on and we have to unpack that to avoid injury. Man, I wish I'd had this conversation four or five years ago because I, <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of the boom bust and being utterly impatient with myself. So I'm, it's my work in progress at the moment of just being gentle and really thinking about, okay, well, I, I don't want to be immobile. Like I, I just, I like being comfortable in my body what can I do to change that what can I be doing to support myself and some of it really is letting go of the things that before cancer Helen did and maybe thinking that maybe they weren't <laughs> maybe they weren't so helpful what you just said before you is so right you said you started getting back into getting into some supervised strength training you know that has huge benefits especially in the research for um cancer related side effects and combating that deconditioning that you've had during your treatment, but also Pilates and looking at different ways of getting back to just strengthening your core and your foundation muscles for movement, because we almost have to go sometimes back before we can go forward because we have to get the foundation right. And then you kind of go, oh, wow, yeah. I feel like I can carry my body better. I feel like I carry myself better. And that's where you get better energy because you're more energy efficient. And so I think it is, it's just changing it up sometimes so that if you're a runner or you're, you know, you're a CrossFitter or you like more that high intensity exercise, it's not saying you're never going to get there. It's just saying we need to avoid injury and we need to see where your baseline is to where the best way for you to get back into high intensity and just make sure we're avoiding injury. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Helen, come on, stop injuring yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. 
<laughs> I'm looking at you, King. Um, <laughs> now, um, it is, gosh, I could ask you so many questions and maybe we'll need to do a, another episode to cover the things we haven't here. Definitely. But I know that recently you held a retreat. Yes, I did. You held a retreat for women and I would love to know more about that because it looked amazing and I think that it's something that so many people would be interested in. Yes, so this has been a goal of mine for a very, very long time. And so I've been teaching for a very long time and I've been kind of going, wow, the greatest thing about teaching classes is watching the connections that form. The hardest part of my class is actually getting everyone to listen to me so I can start class because they're just chatting the whole time, which is fantastic. (laughs) And I thought, gosh, every time I do something like paddle on or next steps or whatever, I said, it's just so cool to get these people, everyone together and just do fun things. And I said, this needs to last longer than just the few minutes we have before and after class. And I thought, you know what, let's, I think it's time to do an oncology retreat. And so it was 10, 10 ladies. And we did, you know, Pilates and yoga and we did paddle on and we did hiking and we all cooked together. And it was just so much fun. And it was just so special to see these incredible women just feeling really comfortable, having a lot of fun, but just being able to chat, you know, and just kind of give it a bit of time and space and facilitate an area with some fun activities to do and some good food. And yeah, just kind of let them do what they need to do. And I can't wait for the next one, probably this December again. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I'll pop all your links in the show notes um, so people can check out what you do and how to connect with you. So thank you so much for sitting down with me. would love you to share in my details. If anyone needs anything, more than happy for just even a chat just to direct them where I think would suit them best. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll have you back on. We didn't even delve into lymphedema, mostly because I am a terrible (laughs) lymphedema patient. (laughs) But maybe we'll we'll, we'll save that one for next time. We'll save that one for next. That's a whole other one itself. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week, I'm talking to Cynthia Hayes, the author of The Big Ordeal, Coping with Cancer Emotions. We chat about the roller coaster of emotions that is a cancer diagnosis. Now, she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of uterine cancer, and I know you're going to love this episode, so I'll see you next time.